Spring practice is done, but the second window of the transfer portal has officially opened. What are we expecting from Tennessee in the transfer portal this go-around? Departures, arrivals, that and a whole lot more here on a Tuesday. Locked on Balls. You are Locked on Balls, your daily podcast on the Tennessee Volunteers. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome into it. This is your Tuesday edition of Locked on Balls. I'm your host, Eric Kane. Appreciate you guys hanging out with me here today. Shout out everydayers. I see you, and I see you guys have been sending me in some questions to get into in the mailbag. That's coming up in segment number three. Segment one, transfer portal window. What should we expect from Tennessee? This go around segment two, some more praise for Tennessee Vols, the NFL draft. What are they saying about Hendon Hooker? and about Darnell Wright. That's coming up on your show here on a Tuesday. As always, thanks so much for making Lockdown Balls your first listen each and every day. And uh, we're a part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. That is your team every single day. Again, shout out you everydayers watching on YouTube. I see you and subscribing uh, to the channel there and listening wherever you find your podcast. Five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts and um, all that good stuff. Really, really do appreciate uh, you guys. I was talking to my guy, G, down in Chattanooga, went on his radio show and... Um, uh, man, I, I, you know, he he was he was saying how blessed he was, and uh, hearing me, you know, say that on the podcast that we get to talk, uh, you know, Tennessee football sports, you know, all day every day, and um, I, I I just couldn't agree more, man. I, I know I say it, and I know it sounds repetitive sometimes, uh, but to be able to sit back here and talk about sports and and get paid for it, uh, it's the best job in the world. So I enjoyed that conversation with Greg earlier on Monday, and I appreciate him, an avid uh, Locked on Vols listener. Check out his radio show as well at ESPN Chattanooga. Uh, does really, really good stuff there. Okay, so transfer portal window this time for the Vols. Now, let's understand the portal a little bit, okay? This window, it runs from April 15th to April the 30th. Players don't have to pick a school that they're going to during those specific dates, but those who are uh, planning to enter the portal need to jump in during those dates. Those days don't apply to graduate transfers who can enter the portal whenever they wish. If there's a head coaching change, which you know by now there's not, there shouldn't be anymore. But uh, if there is, players can enter the portal outside of those dates as well. Uh, a year ago, according to the NCAA, 950 football players went into the portal in 2020. There were less than 600 players who transferred. Coaches and media around the country feel like this year uh, it's going to be a record number of players who go into the portal. Uh, especially those one-time transfers. Uh, Tennessee has benefited from the transfer portal. It's giveth and it's taketh away, right? Remember after the the 2020 season, it took away in in a huge, huge spot. Um, But, you know, for this 2023 season, Tennessee's already been really active in the transfer portal during that first window in December that lasted 45 days. Uh, BYU transfers Keenan Peely, a linebacker, gave Judy Lolly a cornerback, Omar Norman Lott at Arizona State, um, John Campbell from Miami, who's likely to be a starting left tackle for you. Andre Carrick from Texas. Dante Thornton from Oregon, who um, everybody says is going to do some big things. Uh, tied in from UC Davis. That's McCallan Castles. Also found a place kicker from Indiana and Charles Campbell. So Tennessee's had a pretty good haul in terms of guys who's going to help them out and play some big-time roles for Tennessee in 2023. Uh, the reality is that the portal has accelerated a rebuild for Josh Heibel when you really think about it. Hendon Hooker was brought in via the transfer portal from Jeremy Pruitt, but he was still here. 
Uh, Joe Milton was brought in, you know, for the via the transfer portal, and he's going to be your starting quarterback. And of course, was Orange Bowl MVP and was the starter back in 2021. Uh, before being sidelined in Hooker. Tennessee also found Gerald Mincy, who played nearly 500 snaps at left tackle last year. Brew McCoy came over from uh, USC uh, and made a huge impact, and he's going to be the leading receiver this year for Tennessee, likely. Tennessee's also brought in Kamal Haddon, Brandon Turnage, Wesley Walker, Juwan Mitchell, DJ Terry. They've all started games for Tennessee um, in its first 10-win regular season since 2003. All those guys have come via the transfer portal. So, just some disclaimers out there to kind of understand how Tennessee has benefited from the portal, um, how this window works. It opened Saturday. It'll be open until a- uh, April the 30th, so it's a 15-day window. And again, players don't have to choose a school, but if they're going to be in the portal, they need to enter between those dates. So for Tennessee, what's this look like? I already ran down kind of who Tennessee's already gotten via the transfer portal, but what positions could Tennessee maybe be looking for? I don't expect this, at least from either way, but I'll get to the departures here in a moment. I don't expect Tennessee to take many, if any. Okay? I know that rhymed. I didn't really mean for it to rhyme. But it's got to make complete sense, right? You really need to be a multi-year player, okay? Um, Tennessee's roster is at a point now to where they're not just in gimme, gimme, gimme mode. They can really sit back and be selective. Now, They've taken some players. They had to get a tight end this offseason in the transfer portal, and you did in McAllen Castles. But tight end is one of those positions to where if one is out there and one has multiple years of experience and the staff evaluates the film and talks to some coaches, do does their due diligence, speaks to the player, and if they say it's a good fit, then I could see a tight end, if it makes sense, coming in via the transfer portal because after this season, Jacob Warren's gone, McAllen Castle's gone, you're bringing back Ethan Davis, and that is your only scholarship tight end. Tennessee has got to replenish the numbers at tight end. That's why I think for the class of 2023, you're going to see at least two tight ends, three if they can swing it. Um, But if there is a multi-year tight end out there that makes sense, I could see that being a position that comes in. Tennessee has already offered an offensive lineman. let me go see if I can find that real quick. I meant to write down his name. I apologize. Uh, but Tennessee's also already offered an offensive lineman through the portal. I will find it. No, I guess I can. I'm sorry. But Tennessee already offered an offensive lineman uh, from the portal already here on a Monday. So you can never have enough at the line of scrimmage. And, um, you know, that's that's something Tennessee's going to be looking for to help. Maybe a defensive lineman as well. Gosh, I'm going to go I'm during the break I'm going to go hunt that down and find that name. <laughs> so sorry, but uh Tennessee could always bring in an offensive lineman potentially cuz they're still looking for a starting guard and a starting right tackle. But uh, again, you have guys at that position. Defensive line, you can never have too many in my opinion because it's a rotational position. A- and then, you know, maybe I don't know, maybe just best available at that point, right? Um, but it's got to make sense. So I don't expect many additions, again, if any, for Tennessee in this wave of the transfer portal. What about departures? Okay, what about departures? I'm going to be, I'm not going to sit here and say Tennessee's not going to have anybody go. I don't know full fledged 100% of one person that's going to jump in the portal right now, but I've got a few ideas. Um, I don't expect it to be many. I think somebody said it at four and a half over under maybe last week on VolQuest, and I would take the under there. But you can't tell me that no defensive back's going to enter the transfer portal. There are so many guys' names there. Not all of them can play. 
And so I don't for for so long I thought it was going to be Kamal Haddon, but Kamal Haddon seemingly had a really good spring. He's been rubbing with the ones, and, and I don't think that's a scenario anymore. But you know, obviously none of the new guys are going to enter the transfer portal. But is there anybody else in that defensive backfield that's just going to sit here and say, yeah, well I'm going to say here I'm going to get some playing time. But if you look at the depth chart and look at everybody in front of you, it's like. Uh, maybe I'll see some better, greener patchers elsewhere. I'd be looking for a defensive back potentially if I am Tennessee. What about the same thing for that defensive line? It's a rotational position. You play an awful lot, but there are some guys that have been in that rotation that have seen their numbers kind of shrink and shrink and shrink as the season went along. Depending on how they view themselves in spring practice, I could maybe see a defensive lineman entering the transfer portal. And then wide receiver. Tennessee, to my count, and maybe I'm wrong, but right now has seven scholarship wide receivers, okay? Um, two of those, Caleb Webb and Chaz Nimrod, got a whole lot of run this spring because of all the injuries. But we know that Tennessee shrinks that wide receiver rotation, and it's really, really tough to break through. I'm not saying I've heard anything, but Chaz Nimrod, Caleb Webb, those would be big-time transfer portal candidates in my opinion, in this day and age of the transfer portal. So, you know, maybe there's a wide receiver that jumps in. We will see. It's 15 days long, but that's kind of how I view the the transfer portal window for Tennessee right now. Tennessee did a great job of addressing needs during the first edition or the first round of the transfer portal. And, I mean, really, right now you can be super selective. And, again, you might not have to take anybody. So we'll continue to track it. I know a lot of you guys, Jacob, uh, Robo22, Michael Palmer, um, a lot of you guys were asking about the transfer portal as part of your Twitter Tuesday mailbag questions. I just lumped them in and decided to make this a whole segment. And so um, that, that's kind of my views on it right now. Also, the cue of the day uh, yesterday on the show for you everydayers was who were you most impressed with during the Orange and White game? Some Nico, some Joe, some of those young linebackers, Cam Selden, Deshaun Bishop. Also got a love for a lot of love for Gaston Moore. And shout out Gaston Moore. He played really, really well. Uh, you feel good about Tennessee's third string quarterback. If it ever had to come to that, you hope it never does. Man, you hope it never does, but you'd rather see a third string quarterback balling out in a spring game. And that's what Gaston Moore did on uh on Saturday. So good for him. All right. When we come back, we will take a look at NFL Vols heading to the draft. What are they saying about Hendon Hooker and Darnell Wright? More on that here in just a moment on Locked On Vols. Grand Slam, no hitters and double plays. They are back, and there's no better place to get in on all that MLB action than at FanDuel. It's America's number one sports bug. That's right, because right now, new customers can step up to the plate with a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. Go to FanDuel.com slash locked on, sign up, and place your bets. You can get up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. What about Brave Slugger Austin Riley? Can he pick up where he left off on a near MVP type season a year ago? What about the, the wherever that home run total is set? Hit the over, the under four, maybe a week of games, maybe the, maybe the entire season, whatever the case may be. What about over under twenty stolen bags for Ronald Acuna Jr.? I would take the over in that one. What about pitchers and strikeouts and a start? Uh, of course, money line, uh, run line, spreads, all that type of stuff. Futures. It's all at when you're betting on the sport of baseball over at FanDuel. Don't miss your chance at a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel.com today. That is FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. FanDuel, it's official partner of Major League Baseball. What up, everybody? Welcome back into your Tuesday edition of Locked On Balls. Appreciate you guys, you everydayers, for making this your first listen. Coming up tomorrow on your Wednesday edition of the show, we'll catch up with Josh Ward, get a little Ward Wednesday action. We'll have Throwback Thursday coming up on Thursday. 
A lot of you guys have already uh, texted me who have my number, DM me, whatever, and said, hey, I'd love to, love to help out with that throwback segment on Thursday. By all means, I could use all the help I can get. You know we are in hunting season right now. No, not not just turkeys. I know that was a couple of days ago. Shout out Jeff Coe, my roots. Uh, but uh, we're hunting for content season here with spring practice officially over. Uh, that's what you guys had to look forward to coming up uh, the rest of the week. Okay, so um, I you know, was sputtering all over myself that last segment trying to figure out who the uh who the offer was tennessee sent out via the transfer portal told you i find the name won't leave you hanging uh emmanuel pregnon i believe is how you say his name but you guys know me with words not very good emmanuel pregnon he is an offensive lineman from wyoming uh he is a offensive guard college uh football news freshman all-american he has picked up offers from miami from tennessee from penn state from Charlotte, from Arizona State, from Auburn, from Kentucky. Um, yeah, he, he's all over the place. Oregon, Ole Miss, UCLA, Arizona, Purdue, Illinois. Uh, tons and tons of Power 5 offers already since entering his name in the transfer portal. Obviously, he is an offensive lineman target and one of the top ones for uh, this, this window season. Let's see if I can find a position exactly what he plays. Let's see here. I think he's interior. Let's see here. Six foot six, 320 pounds. Yeah. Yeah. He's interior. He plays the guard centers uh, of the world there. So anyway, um, I'll double check on that, but I'm pretty sure he is interior, but that is a guy that Tennessee has already offered here for the client, for the uh, transfer portal window. Also, when I was looking up that name, I noticed uh, while, while doing this podcast that uh, Harrison Bailey has entered the transfer portal, wish him the best of luck. I mean, I'm not trying to be rude. Um, Again, the worst thing that ever happened to Harrison Bailey was, uh, by golly, rival slapped that fifth star on him late late in the cycle, and it was just too much expectations to uh, uh, to live up to. He was one of the best quarterbacks to ever play in Georgia high school football. That is a fact. Uh, didn't work out at Tennessee. Did not work out at UNLV. Harrison Bailey is back in the transfer portal. All right, so want to talk about uh, some NFL balls and, and kind of what they're saying. Uh, ESPN has put out a couple of things um, in the last few days. Jeff Legwold, who's an NFL draft analyst over at ESPN.com, he put out a column, seven prospects who improved their stock the most over this NFL draft process. Number one on his list is Tennessee offensive tackle Darnell Wright. How far he climbed the boards, he says, quote, Wright is the body of work riser. Scouts had a third-round grade on him at best in August. They thought he had been inconsistent as the Vols left tackle in 2021. So in a lot of databases, he opened the season as a day two or even early day three pick. Now he sits solidified with a first round grade and is expected to be among the first tackles off the board. The turning point was, quote, September the 1st when Wright lined up at right tackle in the Vol season opener against Ball State. After the 2021 season at left, he went back to the right side. He... Um, he continued to get experience, work that position, and in return, he played right tackle and right guard in 2019, right tackle in 2020, resulted in right playing with better footwork and technique this past fall. Uh, why he rose, quote, there will still be some bodies, uh, let's see here, there will still be some bubbles in pass protection at time, 
Uh, he lets rushers get into his body a little too often, but he was far more comfortable in his technique throughout the year. His body of work against Will Anderson Jr. in Tennessee's 52-49 win over Alabama in October, when the Crimson Tide won by when the Crimson Tide had one sack, that was by DJ Dale, and the Vols' 32 dropbacks was a uh, was really really good. He goes on to say what they're saying. I built on things I lacked and stayed strong with the things I was good at, just progressing. That's actually what Darnell Wright said on the biggest difference between his junior and his senior years. So the biggest riser, according to ESPN's Jeff Legwald, is Darnell Wright, offensive tackle from Tennessee. Others mentioned in this, Luke Musgrave, tied in from Oregon State. I'm not even going to pronounce that that name, that edge rusher from uh, Louisville. <laughs> Stetson Bennett, quarterback in Georgia. Uh, Chandler Zavala, guard from North Carolina State. Isaiah Land, outside backer from Florida A&M. Joey Fisher, offensive tackle from Shepard. I wonder if he's related to Eric Fisher. Hmm, that's a good question. Research for another day. Uh, but, of course, Darnell Wright, who was going to be selected in the first round, getting a lot of praise in terms of this riser uh, column from Jeff Legwald over at ESPN.com. Any mock draft you look at, I mean, he's either the first tackle taken or, or the last tackle taken in the first round, in the first round. Um, I think he's going to be right up there, man. He'll be a top 20 pick for sure. I can't wait to see where he lands. A lot of, a lot of people saying he's going to go to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That's kind of a trendy pick right now as well, so we will have to see. Uh, one other thing I want to mention here in terms of balls in the NFL draft, Mike Tannenbaum, uh, ESPN draft analyst, formerly of, uh, I believe he was the New York Jets general manager for a couple of years, former NFL GM. Um, of course, he and we talked about it here on the show for you everydayers. He made headlines by saying, you know, if he was drafted, he would take Hendon Hooker fifth to the Seahawks overall. Hendon Hooker fifth overall uh, to the Seahawks. But he had a really, he kind of backed some of that up a couple of days ago in an interview he was doing. Had a really interesting player comparison for Hooker. And it's to Dallas Cowboys quarterback Dak Prescott. Quote, Prescott has been a productive top 12 quarterback in the NFL despite not having one real dominant trait. And I think Hooker will have a very similar career. He has really good science at 6'3", 217 pounds. Gosh, that'd be a big boy if it was 275 pounds a quarterback. Arm strength and accuracy. He goes on to say, while other quarterbacks in this class will get more hype, Hooker could ultimately be a 10-year starter in the National Football League. Wow. Comparing him to Dak Prescott in terms of player comps and saying that he could ultimately be a 10-year NFL starter. That is whew, that is, that is some 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 good things there from Hendon Hooker. If you go to ESPN.com and look at the draft section in terms of the best available at the quarterback position, they maintain he's still at number five in terms of the best available behind Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Anthony Richardson, and Will Levis, number five in terms of the quarterbacks, and ranked number 33 overall uh, with an 87 grade. A couple weeks ago, whenever he wrote about uh, taking Hendon Hooker in the, with the fifth pick with the Seahawks in his mock draft, this is what he said. Okay, this one might raise some eyebrows. This is on the pick. Uh, but hear me out. I think Hooker is really underscouted right now, largely because he's coming off an ACL tear in his left knee. But I love his strong arm, a six foot three frame. Before the injury, Hooker looked great for the balls. He led the nation in yards per attempt at nine and a half yards, threw two interceptions over 11 starts, was a top 10 passer in terms of completion percentage at 69.6%. Nice. I see a potential franchise quarterback and someone who can lead an offense. Go watch his performance against. 
performance against Alabama if you disagree. On the Seahawks, who would have made that pick a couple weeks ago, he says, the Seahawks recently re-signed Geno Smith, but this is an excellent opportunity to draft and develop Hooker while also letting him rehab the knee. Smith turns 33 years old this season, and his new contract offers Seattle various outs over the next three seasons. Uh, the Athletic put out a mock draft uh, earlier this week as well. Had Darnell Wright going to the Bucks at 19. Hendon Hooker to these same Seattle Seahawks at 37. Remember, Seattle has the fifth pick. I want to say like the 24th pick and the 37th pick. So they have a whole lot of draft capital. They can go best available. They can trade down. They can go back up in the first round if they need to. Seattle can wheel and deal because they got so many picks. So the Athletic has Darnell Wright going to the Bucks at 19. Hendon Hooker going to the Seahawks at 37. Jalen Hyatt to the Saints at 40. Cedric Tillman to the Bills at 59. Byron Young to the 49ers at 99. And Jeremy Banks to the Buccaneers at pick 252 in the seventh round. Man, the NFL draft, it is coming up. It is later next week. And gosh, I can't wait to see where these guys go to. It's going to be a whole lot of fun. Um, let's get to your mailbag questions. A lot of good ones here on this edition of the Mailbag Podcast. That is coming up in segment number three of a Tuesday show. All right, guys, we've got a final segment left here of this Tuesday edition of Locked on Vols. I'm your host, Eric Kane. You can always find me on Twitter at underscore Kane or and at Locked on Vols. And that is where you guys have sent in your Twitter Tuesday questions here for today's show. Let's go ahead and start with it. Kurtz chimes in, says, hey, the offense is very three wide receiver heavy, but based on tempo, don't sub out a lot. ESPN broadcast was talking about how we're four deep at starting wide receiver, but I feel like Squirrel or Thornton are just going to be the odd man out, not to mention Nimrod and Webb. Thoughts on this? Yeah, it's a good point. Like I said in um, segment number one, when talking about the transfer portal, and again, I'm not saying that Nimrod or Webb will go to the portal. Uh, maybe one of them will, maybe one of them won't. I don't expect Nimrod to, and, and really I haven't heard much uh, about Caleb Webb. And I'm just saying that would be kind of the situation to where it's like, man, I'm, I'm blocked like crazy here. I don't know if I can get on the field. So you go look for greener pastures, but also keep in mind too, how many places can you transfer in the sun? And this one I'm really intrigued about, right? Um, with this window, how many will jump in, not just Tennessee, but in general in this window, because Spring practice is over. If you're a quarterback, good luck. Like Alabama needs a quarterback, but are you going to find one right now? Doubtful, right? Um, I mean, like, can you learn an offense? Can you get equipped to everything and then be ready to roll by week one? I just, that, that is tough sledding. So I'm intrigued to see nationally what this second window looks like. I really am. But um, as far as Caleb Webb and Chaz Nimrod, uh, I did a radio show. I did a radio hit a couple of them on Monday, and I said this about both those guys, like, I feel like their only opportunity to the field this season um, would at least what it feels like would be via injury, right? Like Ramel Keaton, look what he did last year. He stepped up and, and played well and he's not coming out now, but Brew McCoy is going to man one side. Ramel Keaton's not coming out of the game anytime soon. And Dante Thornton and squirrel whites will both play the slot. Also, if one of the outside guys gets injured, Thornton has the versatility to bump outside as well. Um, those are your four wide receivers who are going to play, and you're right. Uh, they go three wide receivers a whole lot of time because of the tempo and because they have to keep a tight end on the field. So one of those four is not going to be out there if they're all three, all four healthy. But I think it'd come between Thornton and Squirrel. But I, 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 they love Squirrel, obviously. He's already done a lot of things for them. But 
They love Thornton and his long, lengthy explosion out of the slot. They really, really do. But he can also play on the outside. So uh, tough sledding for the odd man out there, especially Webb and Nimrod as it stands right now. But next season, I mean, there, there's opportunity. And, and they love Chaz Nimrod. I know they do. It's just kind of hard to get on the field right now. Let's go to Luke. What was your biggest takeaway from the starting defense from the spring football game? Good question. Really good question because um, it, it was kind of hard to follow because it wasn't real football. Couldn't really touch the quarterback. I like the young linebackers. I did. Aaron Carter was flying around doing some things. Um, I thought the secondary looked a, a bit more uh, quicker, maybe more athletic. Um, I just thought they looked better. Um, I, you know, we'll need to go back and watch some more. But since it wasn't a real football game and you didn't have true down and distance because they picked up the ball and moved it around a little bit, um, it, it's kind of hard to get a gauge a lot of times on the defense and, and a scrimmage like that. But I did like the young linebacker play. I really did. And I thought it was a great chance to see Elijah Herring and Caleb Perry play a whole lot of football because, again, Aaron Beasley and Keenan Peely uh, were held out. All right, so this next one, I'm not going to mention the name, and I'll tell you why here in just a moment because it's a two-parter. First part says, I feel like we're growing as a fan base with a football team. In the past, I feel as if after seeing Nico throw, uh, we would have went ballistic and clamored for him to be the starter over Joe after that spring game. I think he's talking about that one play where he rolled out and made that nice throw to Ethan Davis. After jumping on Twitter, everyone for the most part seemed to be very level-headed, and I'm proud of that for I'm proud of I'm proud about that for us as a fan base. Yeah, I think everybody pretty much knows that Joe's the guy. Quote unquote quarterback battle, sure, but it's gonna be Joe Milton unless something just crazy happens and, and Nico's gonna sit there, learn from him, be a resource, soak up all he can, continue to rep and continue to get as good as he can for his time in 2024. Um, also, this is why I'm not mentioning his name. I'm popping the big question to my girlfriend this weekend. As a newlywed yourself, what advice can you give for popping the question? Thank you for all you do. Well, shout out to you, this person. I'm omitting your name because just by some chance, some chance if her brother, if her cousin, if her herself would listen to this podcast or somebody listen and tell her, um, and they could they could trace this back, and I don't want to ruin your moment. So, omitting uh, your name here, um, dude. It's um, it is one of the absolute best feelings and most stressful times of your life. I was freaking. <laughs> I mean, I was I was nervous as as all get out. I remember I had it all planned. Everybody knew what was going to happen. I had it down to like a T of like what's happening and everything. But like when I got to be like like that whole day, I was great. I was golden. And then when it got to be about 10 minutes before, I got so nervous. I started to sweat. My hands, my palms are sweaty. You know that song? Uh, hands clammy, palms sweaty. Um, man, I was, and I was acting kind of weird. So don't act too weird because you might know something's coming up. Um, also, um, baggy clothes of your friend. If you have that ring, you have it in the, the little case there, um, the little box, if it's in your pants pocket and your pants are a little bit tight i mean that's the bulge right can't always just blame it on uh, on your keys um i like i was sitting she was across the room and, and i was so nervous about having that that ring thing in my pocket right the box that like i took it out of my jackets and i put it on the ground in between my legs and i just kind of sat there so no one could see you know so she couldn't just see what was it. like hey what's in your pocket there you know uh, but anyway, uh, just have fun with it, man. And regardless, she's going to say yes, because if you're to the point 
uh, of asking uh, you know someone to marry you. Like you already know the answer. So no matter what happens, um, she's gonna say yes. My fiance now wife, I didn't even look at the ring. Like as soon as I got down on knee, she said yes. So um, no matter what happens, dude, enjoy it. It'll be a, an awesome memory. Make sure someone's there to take your picture uh, because she will want it. If her nails need a touch up or whatever, you know, get her BFF. Say, hey, get uh, get my fiance, whatever her name is. Hey, y'all go get your nails done, and uh, you know, make sure she's all taken care of in that regard. But best of luck, and I can't wait for you to uh, tell me all about it. That's that's exciting stuff. I got a couple more here, and then we will call it quits on this edition of Locked On Vols. Let's go to uh, Sawyer. Sawyer says. Um, I get that the SEC is the best in baseball conference, but Tennessee looks completely lost at times. Starting pitching isn't what we thought it was and would be, and they can't get a big win when they need it. What would your preferred lineup be for uh, the rest of this uh, this season? All right. I would have Dickey leading off, and it depends on matchup, but I would have Dickey, Jared Dickey leading off and catching. I would have... Dryling hitting second and playing DHing. And again, if you're playing a, if you're if you're going up against a southpaw like Vanderbilt has three left-handed pitchers uh in the starting rotation, you would need to alter this because you wouldn't gonna you wouldn't want to go lefty lefty against a lefty. But again, I'm just spitballing here. Dickey catching, hitting leadoff, dryling, DHing, hitting second, more hitting third, second base, Burke. Clean up first base. Then I would want to go tears right field. I would want to go that sixth, a healthy Ahuna shortstop. Okay. I want to go Denton third base. Then who am I missing here? I need a left fielder. Gosh, man. Inslee needs to get in there. Inslee is my center fielder. And then Scott, actually, I would have Ins- I'd have Inslee in left. And then I would have Scott in center field. And remember, Griffin Merritt's right-handed bat needs to be in there against a lefty a lot of the times. But let's see here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Yep. I would have Dickey catching. Right now, I'd have Dryling, DHing, hitting second. Moore, third, playing second base. Blake Burke, clean up first base. Tears, fifth, right field. Ahuna. Um, sixth shortstop, Denton, seventh, third base, Inslee, eighth, left field, Christian Scott, ninth, playing center field. Griffin Merrick can play. Cal Stark would likely play because uh, he's a right-handed bat. Um, yeah, there's some options here. The biggest thing for Tennessee right now is, yeah, the starting pitching has not been what it was last year. That was elite, but, like, it took a ginormous step back. And that's just not good. Defense has been horrendous all year long. That's the biggest issue here. Take Friday and Saturday, for example. Andrew Lindsay and Chase Dolander at Arkansas this year, or, or this past weekend, deserved a whole lot better. Their starts were ruined because of poor defense behind them. And, and it's just like one thing. And, and, and running into bases in the uh, running into outs on the base pass is another thing. So um, you knew it wasn't going to be as good as last year because it was a historic baseball season last year. Um, it's unfortunate. Uh, more on baseball. Go check out my work at VolQuest.com. My 3-2-1 release yesterday kind of paints all the pictures and the scenarios to where Tennessee needs to do to make the postseason from here on out. Um, we're running out of time here. So if you guys want me to talk more baseball, let me know. I can do that. I cover the team. But 
Um, I, I, I'm just a little short on time right now. Go check it out at VolQuest.com. Uh, let's go to Vols by Fitty. This is actually last week. I apologize, I missed it. Uh, what does the team? Where does the team stand for with Sammy uh, after this weekend's visit? It was Sammy Brown, I believe, who so you're referring to. That was a visit last weekend or two weekends ago. Uh, they're behind, I would say. They're 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 behind in that one. Still in the picture, but they're behind, and they've always been behind with Sammy Brown. But I don't think a real big charge is you know putting the balls up front right now. So I would say they're playing from behind. And then last up is Jacob. Who were Tennessee's basketball targets in the portal? I know I heard a little about a North Texas guard. Okay, so the biggest targets in the portal right now, according to or for Tennessee basketball, outside of the current players who are still deciding on their future, Santiago Vescovi being the big one. Uh, Chris Ledlam Harvard is a forward. He was on campus for an official visit. Dalton Connect, I believe is how you say his name. He is a wing. Uh, he is from Northern Colorado. He was on campus for an official visit. And Jordan Ganey, um, ironically, is the son of head, of uh, assistant coach Justin Ganey. He is a sophomore at USC Upstate. He is in the transfer portal, and uh, he averaged over 15 points last year and shot 39.3% from the field, 34% from the three-point line. Those would, be, those would be the biggest three names in the portal right now that Tennessee has um, some serious interest in. All right. That's all the time I have. Appreciate it, guys. What a fun show. Really, really appreciate it. I uh, had a whole lot of fun talking Tennessee Vols, answering your mailbag questions, uh, Vols on the transfer portal, potentially Vols heading to the NFL draft, all that and more. Thank you so much for making Lockdown Vols your first listen each and every day. We'll do it again tomorrow. We'll have uh, Josh Ward come on for the show and a whole lot more. Appreciate you, everydayers. If you're not an everydayer, become an everydayer. Subscribe to Lockdown Vols on the YouTube channel. Uh, find us wherever you get your podcast completely free, but subscribe and uh, leave me five stars and a positive review. As always, guys, appreciate you. We'll do it again, same time, same place. Tomorrow, this is Lockdown Vols. <laughs>